At Baptist Health South Florida, it's our mission to care for you when you're injured or sick and help you stay healthy and fit. Welcome to the Baptist Health Talk podcast, where our respected experts bring you timely, practical health and wellness information to improve your family's quality of life. Death, taxes, and if you're a female in your 40s or 50s, menopause. The three hard realities in a lifetime. And yet of those three, menopause is one of the most nagging domains in women's health. It's often painful and hated, yet indisputably a normal phase of a woman's life. While some women make the transition symptom-free, many others experience hot flashes, sleep issues, mood swings, pain during sex, and or depression. There are temporary solutions for these symptoms caused from the hormonal imbalance, but not all are effective or equal. With hormones at the root of the issue, are they also the solution? I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Fialco, a preventative cardiologist and leader at Baptist Health South Florida. Here to help you and me understand the intimidating horizon all women must pass through is Dr. Natalia Echeverdi, a gynecologist and obstetrician who practices at Baptist Health South Miami Hospital as part of the South Miami OBGYN Associates. Welcome to the podcast, Natalia. Hi, John. Thank you for having me today. All right. So let's jump right into this. And I think we'll talk about over the course of this conversation, the symptoms of menopause, how it affects a person, and their loved ones. And we'll also talk about the physical, metabolic, psychological, and then of course, what a woman can do to decrease all these symptoms. Um, and then mostly a conversation about hormone replacement therapy, which could be somewhat confusing. But Natalia, let, let's start with the basics. So what is actually happening to the body in menopause? And what would be the more common symptoms a woman might experience? Okay, so let's let's first talk about menopause. Uh, menopause is a time in your life when you stop having menstrual periods, and it does mark the end of the reproductive years. The average age of menopause in America is 51 years old. And menopause happens when the ovaries stop making estrogen, which is the hormone that helps control the menstrual cycle. Something that there's a little bit of confusion about is what is perimenopause in compared to menopause. Perimenopause is the years leading up to menopause, and they can begin as early as your 40s, and with the amount of, um, of estrogen in the ovaries begin to fluctuate, and your menstrual cycles can begin to change, and some women can actually start to experience some of the menopausal symptoms, just not as strong as when they actually go through menopause. Uh, so is there a timeline? I mean, quickly, is there a timeline of perimenopause, or is that a variable as well? I mean, in other words, a woman might have perimenopausal symptoms for six months before menopause, a year, five years. Is there any kind of standardization of what a woman might expect and experience prior to menopause? So it can't be standardized. It's very patient-specific, and it does relate to when their mothers went into menopause. So that's one of the main questions we ask our patients is, when did your family members, moms, sisters, um, even aunts go through menopause? Because it can give us a rough idea of when to expect menopause in a patient. It can happen in the early 40s, mid 40s, or it can start happening even six months before menopause actually hits. Um, during that time, again, they start to experience a little bit of the symptoms of menopause, just not in full force. Their menstrual cycles might begin to change, they might begin to get irregular or heavier or lighter, um, but menopause has not really hit until the woman has gone 12 months with no menstrual cycles. So, so do you find there's a period of time where women may be in that perimenopausal state and they may not even know what's causing some of the changes or might not think about it. I mean, you find women, and, and again, I'm speaking from complete ignorance here, they're, they're so in tune to the menstrual cycles and such that when they become a regular, they're like right away, hey, this must be perimenopause. So I guess the question is, what's the level of knowledge that a woman has when her body starts going through these changes? 
So I actually feel that a lot of women don't realize that they're in perimenopause. They begin to have some changes in the menstrual cycle and they attribute it to most recently to the COVID vaccine, but they'll attribute it to other things, you know, stress in their life, um, other just other psychological factors going on. And they're not as in tune with their menstrual cycles in their 40s because women are busy. They're having responsibilities at home and at work, and they're just not paying as much attention to their menstrual cycle versus when they're in the reproductive years and they're actively trying to get pregnant. Women are very in tune with their menstrual cycles. They usually come to the office saying, you know, little things like, oh, yeah, I know my period's regular. It's just a little bit lighter than before, or I've been having weight gain. um, And it's not as easy to just shut off the pounds as before. Um, Sometimes it's the insomnia. They're like, I'm having trouble sleeping at night, but I think that's, you know, due to stress. When in reality, it can be due to some of the hormonal changes that they've already begun to experience in their 40s. So I'm bringing it back again, you know, when we're saying that a woman may come to you with not really realizing that her complaints are perimenopausal related. Can you talk a little bit about the mood swings? And again, uh, you know, there's sometimes jokes made about it, but are there really changes in a woman's moods around menopause? I mean, can you speak a little bit to that? Yes, of course. So the mood swings when they're in perimenopause, it's very difficult to differentiate if they're actually due to a premenstrual syndrome or due to menopause. So that's a little bit of a difficult differentiation because they're still having menstrual periods, so they're perimenopausal, but they might still be having mood swings. So is it because they're just having very strong premenstrual syndrome, either a few days before the period or during ovulation, or is it because of the hormone fluctuation because the ovaries are starting to make less estrogen? So does a woman who has a lot of mood changes in the premenstrual cycle state, um, would they be more likely to have those mood changes in perimenopause? Is there a correlation? I mean... I guess what I'm trying to get at is are things a woman who might feel well could start being aware of to look for, or or is there something that someone experiences and they say, hey, wait, you know, I'm in this perimenopausal state. You know, as you say, many don't realize they're in it. So are there any predictors that might, that you might be able to establish based on someone's regular menstrual cycle symptoms? No, I I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't definitely not conclude that just because a woman has um, a premenstrual syndrome, they're going to have more mood swings during menopause. It's during premenstrual syndrome, they're still secreting estrogen. um, And some women can be sensitive to estrogen and it might be due to that versus in the menopause state, it's because of a lack of estrogen. Well, that's great. Um, You did mention a couple of the symptoms. Um, If you could talk about what would be the more common ones. Uh, Again, I know you mentioned, uh, for example, sleep and some weight gain and uh, change in menstrual cycle frequency is the most common things, let's say, in a, in a perimenstrual, perimenopausal state. Um, but are there other symptoms that a woman might experience that uh, might you know, trigger an association with uh, menopause? So, absolutely. The hot, the hot flashes are definitely one of the main symptoms that um, are most disruptive to a woman's life and can become so severe that they actually, it interferes with their everyday life either at work or at night, they can't sleep because the hot flashes wake them up from sleep. And then insomnia also is one of the symptoms that that we see very common. Again, throughout the years, beginning in the 30s, trying to shed off the extra pounds becomes more difficult for a woman, especially when they hit menopause, it does become a lot more difficult for them. Um, so we, we do really do encourage for women to you know, eat correctly, the usual, the exercise, um, routine health visits, so we can help them and guide them through this transition by promoting healthy living? Well, actually, uh, I'll bring my area of specialty into the conversation. It it does seem like uh, a lot of the hormonal changes of menopause has to do with insulin sensitivity and specifically how insulin is triggered by carbohydrates. So a lot of that weight gain may be tied towards this carbohydrate intake. And what we may be thinking that if a woman increases carbohydrate intake as they get older, 
they might be more successful maintaining weight as opposed to total calories. Um, but your recommendations are, are totally spot on appropriate. Continue exercising, if not increasing your exercise, and avoid those processed, refined foods, uh, which is consistent with other dietary recommendations. So, so going back, so now a woman comes in to see you complaining of something that is, in fact, um, perimenopausal or menopausal, and you identify something. What's the conversation? Is it more you just educate them about their feeling or about the what's going on in their body? Um, you know, is a woman more are there things a woman can do? to decrease some of their concerns regarding some of these symptoms. Absolutely. So when they're in their 40s, we actually do recommend that they start birth control pills. Um, although birth control pills are used to prevent pregnancy, it also gives the woman back estrogen and progesterone. The progesterone is given in order to protect the uterus from the effects of the estrogen. So because they are in their 40s, their ovaries are starting to produce less estrogen, which are causing some of these symptoms. By giving them a little bit of estrogen back in birth control pills, we are counteracting those symptoms. And then the progesterone is protecting their uterus from the extra estrogen we are giving them. So those are, those are, that's a great recommendation. Um, and then again, from your experience, do women basically say, hey, that sounds great. I'll do that. Or do you kind of get pushed back with some of the recommendations? What's the experience in your practice? Um, how does this message resonate with the uh, uh, the patients that you see? No, usually in their 40s, they're, they're very amenable to talking birth control pills. Um, I get more pushback about hormonal therapy when they're actually in menopause because there is a lot of um, misconception about hormonal therapy and menopause, and there's a lot of fear around it. So Natalia, let's talk about hormone replacement therapy because that seems to be uh... A significant area of confusion. And I'm old enough to remember when we used to recommend it in women to prevent cardiac events. Then we said it's dangerous and it could lead to blood clots. And then we said, you know, just, just take it if you're symptomatic and stuff. Where Talk a little bit about that evolution and also where we stand now um, in terms of uh, the benefit of hormone replacement therapy and in, in what kind of situations in a uh, perimenopausal or menopausal woman. So let's let's first talk about the positives of hormone therapy. It has been shown that systemic estrogen therapy is the best treatment to relieve hot flashes, night sweats, um, protect against bone loss, and decrease the risk of colon cancer. Now, local estrogen therapy has also been proven to relieve vaginal dryness. So that's what we would use it for. And those are very important things. However, over the years, we have noticed that, of course, with everything comes risks. So estrogen therapy alone when a woman has a uterus, can increase the risk of uterine cancer, which is why we add progesterone in order to decrease that risk. Now, combined hormone therapy has also been associated with a very small risk of a heart attack, which would be your area of specialty, so you can elaborate more on that. But we've also noticed that this may be related to the age, existing medical condition, and when the woman starts taking hormone therapy. And as you mentioned, there are there is an associated risk um, with stroke and deep um, vein thrombosis, which are the DVTs. So, uh, as you as you um, articulated, there's a benefit and a risk of pretty much everything we do, and in particular mm -hmm. with hormone replacement therapy, you just very uh, eloquently listed the kind of variables. So the reality becomes very individualized, right? Very customized. Is that how you know yeah. you, you don't come in and prescribe? say everyone needs to do this, you kind of get a feel for what the woman's looking for, what their symptoms are, and then of course what the risks would be based on other medical conditions. Then you make your decision. Is that is that fair to say? Absolutely. So we have to treat every single patient as an individual. There is no standardized plan for uh, any 
any patient, man or woman, but especially in my field for women, we need to look at their their risks, their medical conditions, and kind of see where they land and what would be the best treatment option for them. For example, a patient that comes in complaining of vaginal dryness because of menopausal system, the decrease in estrogen causes this. For her, the best option would be local therapy, meaning vaginal inserts or creams that would not go systemically and would not increase her risk of breast cancer. It would not increase her risks of DVTs or cardiac events. So um, uh, again, going back to the customizable and it seems like you're saying, let's give the woman the uh, least amount of therapy necessary to achieve the goal, which in that case might be symptomatic relief, right? Correct. And that's actually the recommendation from the Academy, which is the smallest amount of therapy for the shortest amount of time in order to relieve symptoms. So I think that's that's a valid statement. I'm just thinking again from my perspective and, and the lay public's perspective, where you see people say, well, you know, my daughter doesn't want me to do this, or my friend said I should be doing this. The reality is talk to your gynecologist, talk to your doctor, make the decisions based on the assessment of your risk and benefit, and tell everyone else to shut up. <laughs> is, that, is that a good way to put it? That is an excellent way to put it. We we <laughs> will guide you. And a lot of the time, with the help of a cardiologist like yourself, sure. we will come in with a team approach and see what is the best therapy for the patients. And, and I think that is, uh, again, well said that uh, there's no absolute risk to that's the same for every woman. A, a smoking woman with a long history of cardiac disease will have a different risk than an otherwise healthy woman uh, you know, who, who's fit and has no other metabolic disturbances. So it goes back to that customizable component. Um, so a few, a few other um, um, you know, questions, if you will. I want to go back towards the concept of mood swings and other, let's say, psychological aspects of of menopause and whatnot. Um, Sometimes when describing, let's say, a brain fog or, you know, just not a clarity, is there a correlation with menopause or is that just more of an aging type of thing? Is there any other kind of psychological or or cognitive type of uh, perceptions that a woman may have with menopause? So no, I don't I don't want to dismiss it saying that it's it's just an aging kind of thing in general because it does make patients feel like they're crazy. So mm-hmm. we have noticed it's difficult for us to find a direct correlation, but we have noticed that some women in menopause do experience what you are describing as brain fog, which is forgetfulness, difficulty concentrating and thinking clearly. And there are studies being done currently um, to try to find the correlation between the dipping estrogen levels. Essentially, what we're finding is that the hormone levels are related to the activity in part of the brain, okay? And in the study that's being currently done, it's showing that women with lower levels of estrogen did worse on memory tests. So we are finding that there might be a correlation between the dipping estrogen. However, in one-third of these women, it was also found that they scored fine. So we're thinking that it might be also female dependent, meaning what are they doing with the rest of their lives? Maybe it's not estrogen alone, but maybe some of these women are resistant to these changes because of their exercise levels or mental exercise levels over a lifetime. So a woman that has been exercising not only her body, but her brain might be a little bit more resistant to these changes. Hmm, Interesting. And then as a follow-up for some women who have these types of complaints, when you prescribe appropriate hormone replacement therapy, they'll say they, they, these symptoms improve? I mean, are these things that actually get better? Some women do say it, but when I prescribe hormone replacement therapy, I also encourage the patient to go on a nutrition plan and to exercise. So it might also be part of the lifestyle changes that are helping this. Correct. Okay, M- many factors involved. This is, this is very helpful. Here's my last question. Um, and uh, again, hopefully it's a fair question. 
Uh, for where I come from and, and my area of the preventive cardiology and working with various metabolic disorders and, and whatnot, I always go back towards evolution and, and having an explanation why the body does certain things. Is there any thought of evolutionarily? Is there a benefit to menopause or what's actually going on in a woman as they uh, develop that menopausal state that might be, um, we'll say, beneficial to the body or society or anything like that? That's a very and, interesting question. And I'm going I'm to pause for a second so you don't have to answer that question if you don't want to. <laughs> it is, it's a very interesting question. Um, I, I haven't done research on that aspect per se. However, just from thinking about the common sense, if we are bleeding every month, evolutionary speaking, we are losing blood and we are becoming slightly anemic. We know that a lot of women have anemia. So as we age, the body might be trying to shut that down in order to conserve some of that for the woman, meaning sure. not allow the woman to become anemic as she ages in order to continue a flight or fight response when we used to have to do that. It's fascinating if you think about it. I, I think about it uh, for most things that I deal with. And I'm thinking even this standpoint that you think man evolved, men and women evolved in a very scarce food supply. And if a woman during her childbearing years, you know, needs to have a significant amount of energy that might be scarce, well, now you're not having children anymore. So maybe you don't need as much energy, again, to sustain the blood loss and everything else. But uh, again, higher level conversations that uh, may not be as, as helpful for our, our listeners. Anyway, you've been extremely, um, um, uh, you know, uh, helpful in defining what a lot of these types of symptoms, as well as what your approach is and what's out there for women. So I appreciate that. Any final comments or anything you want to uh, yes, uh, get actually, to that we didn't mention? Actually, I would like to mention that there's some women that really don't want to go on hormone therapy, either because they have medical condition or because they are afraid of the risks. And there are options for them as well. We have um, noticed that there's certain antidepressants to relieve hot flashes that are very, very effective. And when a woman comes to me with these complaints and I offer her these, I make it very clear. I do not think that you are crazy or depressed. I do not think that I'm treating a psychological issue here. I know that you're real. It's a very physiological issue. However, it has noticed that antidepressants can relieve hot flashes when used appropriately. So there are other options. And there's also selective estrogen modulators, which is a different kind of medication to relieve hot flashes or even pain during sex. Um, there's some seizure medications that we also use for sleeping problems or the hot flashes. And of course, that there's some plant and herbal supplements that can be used. Um, most of these do um, contain soy products. The main thing with this is that women should always discuss it with a provider because the plant supplements and soy products are not FDA controlled. So we want to make sure that we're aware of what you're taking in order to help you navigate it. So uh, again, again, well said, there's lots of weapons in an armamentarium to improve a woman's quality of life through the menopausal um, um, state, uh, but best to speak with your doctor to make sure what you're doing is appropriate, safe, and um, um, you know, uh, monitored, um, which is, uh, again, great recommendation. So uh, well said. So thanks again, Natalia, for your, your expertise, obviously your passion in, in the subject and helping your patients. And uh, again, to our listeners, if you'd like uh, what you've heard on this or any of our other podcasts, please be sure to tell a friend or a family member about us. And if you have a comment or a suggestion for a future topic, please email us at baptisthealthtalk at baptisthealth.net. That's baptisthealthtalk at baptisthealth.net. And we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Find additional valuable health and wellness information on our resource blog at baptisthealth.net slash news. And be sure to interact with us on our social media channels for live and upcoming events. 
This podcast is brought to you by Baptist Health South Florida, healthcare that cares.